Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on Article 17 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage in Daniel chapter 9. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe. I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. Literally almost blanked on what I should say to that. I don't know what <laughs> Who am I? What's, I really get what is nervous my name? on that. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. I'm, I'm scared. There's not, there's not a wrong answer because you're <laughs> yeah. just giving your name. <laughs> and hey, you're not, you're not uh, saying... You're the right Reverend Doctor. I made it seven episodes we've recorded yes, until you notice. And I'm sorry for not saying it right away, but no. we have to acknowledge no, that I was Jason hoping is we done. Uh, yeah, we, we did celebrate the other day, too, Yeah, uh, we uh, eat, eating copious amounts of meat. Fogo, yeah, yes. a celebration of, of, of meaty proportions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did, uh, you know, six episodes ago, I did mention that I was getting ready for my oral examination, yeah, right. and we had no follow-up, so... Uh, on the first Thursday in October, I uh, passed my oral examination. Uh, I have completed my Doctor of Ministry degree. Technically speaking, I am now Dr. Goodham. And everything about that just grates against who I am. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't necessarily think I will ever insist on that or, or load it over anyone. It, the, the, the point of the program wasn't the credentials. Yeah. It was the education being provided. Yeah. It kind of grates on me, too, to it be should. honest with you. I, well, because it proves I'm better than you. Yeah, and I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't like you having that leg up on me at this point, but mm-hmm. I guess that's my cross Competition, Competition that goes back to the mid-90s. <laughs> that's <or> right. <laughs> uh. I, I finally had found my way to even playing field. Then you just, well, you uh-huh. one up. Like, uh, Adam, yeah. for three years, like, I'm the dean of the Bible college. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly how I walk around I'm here. I'm here to counsel you guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's the only normal normal one on yes. this podcast. Oh, there's got to be something redeeming about yeah. this, Brett. Bring yeah. us back to Jesus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I think that we're going to do that in Daniel 9 yeah. uh, today as we look at the text here. You know, of all the Old Testament passages to talk about eschatology, um, we wanted to talk about Daniel 9 today. Yeah, of all the Old Testament passages to talk about eschatology, this is easily the most controversial. So that's why we, <laughs> um, the reason we do this is twofold, and, and we do want to be careful in this, but we do also want to acknowledge the truth here. Daniel 9, 20 through 27 is one of the proof texts of the dispensational movement mm-hmm. in, in demonstrating their view of the historical layout of the right. end times. And, and What's dispensational again? So Just a... premillennial mm-hmm. dispensationalism is a an eschatological philosophy that kind of arose out of the mid-1800s. I'll be a little bit fuzzy on my details here. Uh, there, it, I don't even really know the primary figures that brought it into existence. But uh, what it is is uh, basically a confession that at different times in history, God has dealt with humans differently for the purposes of salvation. And so there's there's a number of what they call different dispensations or eras in history in which God saved in different ways. So you mm-hmm. have the, the, the pre-fall 
dispensation. And then you have the pre-flood or the antediluvian dispensation. And then you have the dispensation up to Abraham. And then you have the, the covenantal dispensation. Mm-hmm. And you have the law dispensation from Moses to Christ. And uh, then from Christ, you know, I think the whole church age, 2,000 years is a dispensation. And then there will be a dispensation after the church age and the tribulation, things like that. And and here's where the, the rubber meets the road as far as why this all of those things, we can look at history and say, okay, those eras did exist. Now, what was the salvation uh, plan in all of those is the question. Now, where the rubber meets the road, and this is the real dangerous uh, aspect of this uh, theology, if you will, of this uh, position, is that you get to this kind of realization that God is dealing with the nation, the physical nation of Israel, differently than he's dealing with Christians or the rest of the world. So Christ is sufficient for the, the you know the, the church, and he's there. And, and some iterations of this would go so far as to say that he is there to make Israel jealous, but that God has a different plan in place for Israel. And how and, and that flies in the face of basically well the New Testament, like basically <laughs> all of it. And so at the end of the day, we we have to understand when when. Paul says in, I think it's Galatians, yeah, it is Galatians, where he says that if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, that he's basically saying, hey, that whole Jewish distinction thing, it's over. And there is an Israel here that is different than uh, this this nation that you're thinking about. And, and it's Christ that saves the whole of humanity, past, present, and future. Now, the whole aspect of salvation comes through Christ. It's a very dangerous theology. It is, especially when you 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 wade into the territory that God saves in different ways. Because the line I teach at my church when I teach about this uh, is that if at any point in time someone can be saved apart from Christ, it means that right now you can be saved apart from Christ. And, and that throws all of God's word into question. And, and this is really just an honest and logical assessment of the doctrine. We're not going to teach all the finer points. Adam, um, I think more than the dispensations, the the preoccupation with physical Israel Mm -hmm. is kind of the the base mark of premillennial dispensationalism. Israel as a nation, uh, uh, preoccupation with the DNA of a Jewish person is what it comes down to, okay? So that's the first mark. The second real mark of premillennial dispensationalism is a historic chronology of the end times uh, that that you walk in that it has to happen this this and this way and and so kind of the big schools of thought where this comes out of right now the caretakers of dispensational premillennialism are the Dallas school it's called. Um, the last fifty years dominated by someone like Dwight Pentecost was his name which is just awesome (laughs) comes from he was kind of the leading theologian of this over the last 50 years I forget who the other guy was coming out of that there's a second main teacher Um, the other source of this theology legitimately is the Left Behind series is uh, uh, Tim LaHaye Jerry B. Jenkins uh, and then further back in the 70s Hal Lindsey 
right. uh, was was this is all being lumped into kind of a generic thing, mm-hmm. it, which it is kind of tied in with generic American evangelical mm-hmm. Christianity, like the, your favorite whipping boy, Jason. The the, the uh, mid nineties, yeah. especially. So those are my two favorite whipping boys: are nineties Christianity and generic <laughs> American Christianity. Yeah. This was the de facto yeah. official position of the church right. that you were, uh, and so like you said, in, in scripture, it's a preoccupation with the Jews apart from the people of faith and the promise. Right. Two separate things there. The, the, the new preoccupation was the reforming of the geopolitical nation of Israel in 1948. That, that kicked into gear all of the eschatological sensationalism of the last 75 years. That mm-hmm. uh, created a massive obsession with Israel, with every world event being tied to something in Scripture, especially in the book of Revelation, uh, starting with more or less, say, Revelation 12 and on. Um, And so that's what we're looking at. One of the key proof texts for the dispensationalism is Daniel 9, 20 through 27. Yeah, which we should probably read it at this point in the episode. Yeah. Uh, But... Thanks for giving that background, guys. I think it's it's good to have that in mind as we come into this. Um, so I'll go ahead and read that for us, Daniel 9, uh, 20 through 27. I read in Jesus' name. It says, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at, at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O oh, Daniel, I have, now, I have come, now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision." Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after sixty-two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations... Abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. All right, that's the text from Daniel. And we were talking, you know, it would be almost good to read the whole chapter uh, for this, but uh, these, these verses here. It's necessary that the first thing we do is not divorce Daniel 9, 20 through 27 from the context of Daniel 9, 1 through 19. Mm -hmm. And, and, in, in my estimation in the dispensational system is that one of the first errors that is made is that Daniel 9, 20 through 27 are treated as a separate unit, mm-hmm. and especially really verses 24 through 27. We can't do that. Thankfully, we didn't need to read the first 19 verses for time's sake because 
Literally, it says, well, I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. That is a summary of everything Daniel was doing in verses 1 through 19. So what we know is that Gabriel's answer to Daniel is in the context of his confession of sin. Mm-hmm. And, and so very first, the Lutheran understanding and maybe the understanding of the historic church, if we could be so bold as to say that, is that Daniel isn't receiving a prediction of the end. Daniel is receiving a prophecy about Christ. If Daniel is praying for the forgiveness of sins, God's answer through his messenger, which again, this is a consistent theme in scripture. When God has something to deliver, he speaks through a messenger. Okay? So, so right here we pause. Daniel needs atonement, needs forgiveness of sins. God sends an angel. Christ is going to be born. God sends an angel. Uh, when the gospel is proclaimed in Revelation 14, that, that it's, the, it's the New Testament, the second New Testament lesson for Reformation Sunday, God sends an angel to do it, an angel with an eternal gospel to proclaim, Revelation 14, 6 through 7. So, so this isn't particularly unique when God has a message of salvation to bring, he speaks it through a messenger. This is the pattern of the whole church, but this is also the pattern of Scripture. I think, I think where this differs, maybe from those other positions, and, and not fundamentally, but to the casual reader, maybe even, um, is the question, it, it's coming down to specific time frames, yep. weeks, and that sort of thing. So I think it's important here to remember the nature of um, in Bible interpretation as a um, as a function of a literal interpretation or as a intended interpretation, if I'm going to call it that. I don't want to say literal versus not literal because um, that comes you know that carries with it a whole bunch of different ideas. But when you think about literal, uh, when we talk about interpreting scripture, we want to interpret scripture literally where it's intended to be interpreted literally. Mm-hmm. But when according God According to calls, genre. Yeah, according yep. to genre. According to genre. And nature of the message. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I think when, when Jesus tells us to be wise as doves, this is stealing now from C.S. Lewis, when he tells us to be as wise as doves, he's not asking us to lay eggs, right? <laughs> and, and so that idea is like there's, there's figurative speech and apocalyptic literature, that talking about end times uh, is specific to using um, different symbolic uh, numbers to convey a message. And I think that's what's happening here. So yeah, we part of interpretation of scripture is to consider the whole of scripture. Part of interpretation is to consider the unit in which the particular passage you're studying was delivered, how is it used? And, and so in Daniel, in Daniel 9, we have these 70 weeks and these numbers. First of all, it's not the word weeks. It's the, the Hebrew word is sevens. So 77s. But all you have to go back to is the fall of Nebuchadnezzar earlier in Daniel. And, and when Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar uh, goes nuts, the, the prophecy is for time, times, and half a time. You know, and, and we have to be careful with this. Daniel uses numbers in a different way than saying that this was four years ago or that in, in uh, well, what is it, in one week, 
we will be attending a banquet together. Adam. Right. You know, that sort of thing. That's not the purview here. That's not the intent is the numbers tell us something about the truth. So uh, another way to understand this, and, and we'll especially get this next week when we talk about Revelation 20, uh, the number a thousand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, is that a literal 1000 years or is a thousand used anywhere else in scripture in a symbolic way, in a, in a, in a way that's communicating a different kind of truth. So in, in two different ways, uh, you repeatedly have thousand, thousand angels. Now, is God trying to tell us that the precise number of 10,000 angels or 100,000 angels is per, or, or, or one million. Or one million. Your, I'll help yeah, you yeah. with yeah. the math there. Thank uh-huh. you. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor, not a... Uh-huh. Oh, easy. easy. <laughs> uh, but, but whatever the case might be, uh, it, are we looking for a specific amount of angels? Or are we looking for a lot of angels? Right. right? Uh, the other passage, and I think it's in the Psalms, where it says, uh, the whole world is yours and the cattle of a thousand hills. Yes. Does God only have a thousand hills and the cattle that is on those a thousand hills? Or is the idea to communicate that there are a lot of hills with a lot of cattle just meaning the scope of everything God owns. It's all God's. Yeah. That is the point. It's the a big picture. So that's a thousand. Can we in Scripture, I'll, let me shut up here, Adam, and then you can talk. Yeah. Uh, is there any place in Scripture where the number seven holds a great amount of significance? And the answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you have the completion of creation that it's talked about in, in seven ends up being a highly important number for the perfection of something that God is doing. So uh, can you guys think of another example where this idea of 77s is used? Well, repentance and forgiveness Repent- with Peter. Exactly. Yep. Peter says, you know, how, much should I, how much should I forgive my neighbor? And in the, the customary Jewish you know, um, acceptability was, what, three times, right? Yeah. Like, was and, it three? Yeah, it was three. And, and then, then he goes, should I go up to seven? Because he's going to the next number that indicates completeness, right? And Jesus says, I tell you 70 times seven. In every sermon you'll hear about this from a dispensationalist, from a Lutheran, from whoever, will always say, the point isn't that God said the 491st time you don't have to forgive. The point is you got to be complete with your forgiveness. And that's the whole point. And we're fine with it there. But when we come to this, it's 490 because years it's, because or 490 weeks, however you want to look at it. And, and to be fair, the hangup is because it's it's talking about something that we can conceive of literally, right? Right. And, and physically measure it. But, you know, what you're saying, first of all, is now I have to delete every one of my Evernote notes <laughs> where I'm keeping track of the amount of times I've forgiven you because 490 <laughs> is, oh, man, that bites. Yeah. But, uh, but what, the other way to attack this or to approach this or to address this is what happens if this is legitimately literal. Okay, first of all, it's talking about weeks. So 70 weeks or 77s are, well, what happened 70 weeks after Daniel heard this prophecy? 70 weeks is a year and four months? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, right around there. Mm-hmm. Was, was really this, you know, well, well, obviously that's not what it means. Right. Well, then, and then it goes into sevens of what, right? Yeah. Is it seven, and, and the natural, not natural, the typical interpretation by some is to take it into years, right? So make it 70 times 7 years. So 490 years after Daniel. And what ends up happening is we get pretty close 
yes to the time of horseshoes but but yeah horseshoes (laughs) hand grenades and government work (laughs) Uh, we get pretty close to the time but it's not precise exactly and And you got to fudge the numbers and that works for me when i'm doing accounting for my own sake if (laughs) i'm close i'm happy with it but i just talked to our 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 business guy here and he was in early yesterday morning so i had this accounting thing i couldn't figure out at home so i had to come in early because it was driving me nuts i had to be exact he goes most people wouldn't have cared and i said yep I would have just been, if I'm within 20%, I'm good. And that's kind of what you have to do with those numbers to get us to Jesus. But the whole point of it is to get to Jesus, but not in that way. Mm-hmm. The whole point is that at the appointed time of God's choosing, he's going to deliver a Savior mm-hmm. because, again, Daniel was asking about forgiveness. Yeah. Yep, confessing and, my sin and, and sin and interesting and the sin of my people Israel and the sin of yeah. my people Israel and and you you stop and does that sound familiar that at the appointed time of God's choosing does that ring a bell mm-hmm. and suddenly yeah, you Galatians. do a hop skip a jump go to Galatians four four and, and in the, the fullness, fullness of, of time, time God sent His Son born of born un, under the law born of woman mm-hmm. that we might receive the adoption yeah. as sons. And, yeah. and you look at this, and it, it's fantastic. Seventy weeks are decreed when all of these things are going to happen. And, and there's some really troubling, horrible, evil things. There's some really positive, redemptive things in the narrative of Daniel, 20, uh, Daniel 9, 20 through 27. But guess what? During the life of Christ, as we were preparing for historical redemption, there are some awful things that happened especially to Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was some judgment things that happened. Uh, I I think there's room to go far afield from Christ and talk about AD 70 and AD 120 to the judgment of the temple and then finally the destruction of Jerusalem, all as symbolic things to say, you know what, it's a pretty bad thing if you reject Christ and his redemption. Mm -hmm. But what Christ did for you, what, what Daniel was looking for as he was suffering in exile away from the promised land, away from from the temple, which was the place where God had revealed himself and his name, apart from all of that, he needed forgiveness. Mm -hmm. God sends a messenger and says, this is how you will ultimately be forgiven. And it's just a much healthier and a much more scripturally consistent way of understanding this passage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. So, well, we should probably wrap up this episode here. Any other uh, thoughts on this Daniel 9 passage to... Well, I think Complete. I think I want to reiterate, mm-hmm. if I can, before we leave, what, what yeah. Jason is saying. You know, we spent a lot of time ragging on bad interpretations. <laughs> There's a very good interpretation of this chapter. Yeah. And like Jason has said at the beginning, he said it again. But just to finish, I mean, Jesus came. He yeah. came to deal with our yeah. sin. Right. And that's really what Daniel was begging for at the, at the beginning, as you, as you see in the first part of the chapter. And that's what he gets. And that's what God delivers in his time, in his fullness of time. And so the outcome of Daniel 9 then is you too, if you are longing for forgiveness, if you are seeking the mercy of God, it's there for you. It's Mm -hmm. real. And we have the benefit on the other side of the cross to know that it is accomplished. Mm -hmm. We're not even waiting for it. It's done. Mm -hmm. Every time you pray a prayer of forgiveness, every time you confess your sins, if you confess your sins, God himself Mm. is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is the verse that I think about when I think about Daniel 9, 20 through 27. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Good place to end there. Come back next week for our delve into uh, Revelation 20. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com 
Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.